Hey pod people, I'm Benjamin Alaco, and you're listening to Last Year's Horror. This episode, Carrie and I are absolutely thrilled to have writer and director Adam Mason on the show. Adam has written and directed more than a dozen feature-length films, countless music videos, and recently made his foray into writing and directing a podcast with the fictional drama The Nothing. His most recent film is 2020's Songbird, which was the very first movie to shoot in LA at the start of the COVID-19 lockdown. That in and of itself is a fascinating adventure in filmmaking, as you'll hear in our chat. Adam has also directed one of our favorite recent horror movies, I'm Just Fucking With You. It's a privilege and an honor to have Adam on the show, so without further delay, Adam, welcome to Last Year's Horror. Thank you uh, very much for having me. So we wanted to start off by chatting with you a little bit about your most recent feature, uh, Songbird. Yep. Yep. I just saw that was just added to Hulu a little while ago, which is awesome, so people can yeah. find it. Tell us a little bit about the generation of that production and the story, kind of where it all came from and, and the timing of everything, because it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was uh, it was that week last March when the uh, lockdown first started in America, and uh, I was actually in pre-production on a movie for Blumhouse, which was a, it was a real passion project of mine. It was a script that my writing partner, Simon and I had written a while back. And, you know, it was one of the, you know, we've got a lot of projects that we've been working on. We've been working together 20 years now. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a few things that we have sitting around that I'd love to get the opportunity to make. And this is one of those where I was just like, fuck one day, you know, I really want to make this movie. Mm-hmm. And fi- finally, the you know, the stars had aligned and I was, I was actually, prepping the movie uh we were like three three and a half weeks away from starting filming and it was that horrible week i'm sure you guys felt it too where it was just like you know is this really going to happen what the fuck is going on oh my god you know we were still getting together at the production office and uh acting as if we were making a movie and like every day that went by it just became increasingly obvious to me that this film was not going to happen anytime soon and then lo and behold on the friday we all got sent home and uh that was the you know the first official day of lockdown. Yeah. Uh, so I was you know I was devast- kind of devastated because it was my passion project, and then also really worried about my you know, my family. My parents live in England, six thousand miles away from where I live in LA, and uh, I've got three little kids and a wife, and I was worried about them. So you know, just generally in a terrible mood, like yeah. we all we all were all around the world on that particular day, probably. Mm-hmm. And the very next morning, my writing partner called me up. Simon called me up, and he, he was really, weirdly, I would say, excited. And he <laughs> and he kind of he made this impassioned speech to me about how we should just make a movie like we used to. We used to always, you know, I'm kind of like a what bit of a one man band when it comes to filmmaking. I, uh, you know, I, when I do music videos, I do like every job, pretty much in the crew myself, like the camera staff and the sound, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that's a cool idea. And we know lots of actors, um, obviously from over the years of work doing a bunch of movies and stuff. So it seemed like we could probably write something together and then we would send it out to actors we know and get them to record their parts on their iPhones or whatever. And then they would send up, you know, upload the files and I would edit it together and we, we would do a movie that way. Right. So that same day we basically wrote this, uh, sort of 12 page call to arms type document it was a bit bit of a treatment the first part was basically like all about as a director how i could do it you know right with the, the skills i have or whatever yeah um and it was called songbird it was basically it was kind of like cloverfield actually it was set during a lockdown 
where a bunch of people are, you know, in LA are all trapped in their houses and you start to realize that there's monsters out on the street. Right. Um, but it was called Songbird and um, we basically sent it out the following Monday, like a couple of days later, and we sent it to this guy called Adam Goodman. He, Adam Goodman um, is a very, very successful producer who used to be the chairman of DreamWorks and Paramount. And uh, I'd had a meeting with him a few months uh, previously, and he's, he's just a really smart guy, very forward-thinking, mm-hmm. very into like technology. When he was at Paramount, he uh, he was the guy that uh, did the Paranormal Activity movies, you know. Like the, um, oh, wow. Yeah, so he... He just, you know, he's a very creative dude, and I have a yeah. lot of respect for him. And so we we sent him the the document for Songbird, and like literally the next day he phoned me up and he's like, "I'm going to greenlight your movie." And I was like, "What does that mean? <laughs> We're in a lockdown." Yeah. <laughs> and you know, no one no one has ever said that to me before like that anyway. And at the same time, I was kind of like, "Be careful what you wish for," because do I really want to be making a movie right now? Right, and then a couple of weeks later, Michael Bay came on board, and then it, then it just snowballed and snowballed, and um, kind of <laughs> it was a very uh, surreal experience, yeah. to say the least. Yeah, and it just took off from there. I had no idea what I was doing basically the whole time. <laughs> well, and it sounds like it happened so fast. Like you're like a day after lockdown, you know, you're like, let's do the thing. So I can yeah, imagine yeah. that that was like a whirlwind of, of emotions too. But it was, yeah. You know, it was kind of it was the antithesis of the other of the Blumhouse project I had because that was a project that we wrote the script years ago, and I've been waiting for the opportunity to make it. Right. Whereas on, on Songbird, we didn't even have a fucking script. <laughs> yeah. You know? So it was like we were basically writing it while we were prepping the movie which i've never done that before right but it, but it was you know it was really uh it was actually it was I'm, i've got to say it was like the best creative experience i've ever had that's awesome for a lot yeah. of reasons yeah that's, that's pretty punk i like it <laughs> <laughs> it was i mean that's how it felt it really did because because of all the rules and stuff of like not basically you couldn't film when we were filming like we were the first to film anything yeah. um it just gave me a tremendous uh, freedom that I would never normally have. Whenever you have any money involved in a movie, it becomes quite corporate and bureaucratic, and there's a lot right. of cooks in the kitchen. But because of the way we were making the movie, and everyone was just so, uh, you know, uh, grateful to be able to do anything at all, and so excited, there was like this real spirit of adventure doing it for right. everyone. That there just weren't any dicks involved you know it was just <laughs> yeah well that's that's funny because it, it would seem like you you almost have to filter out the the that type of mentality because they wouldn't want to be involved right yeah 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 exactly exactly and that's um, fascinating it was it was great and creatively it was wonderful just because i love working I, you know I, I don't like having too many people around uh, yeah i find it um gets very cluttered and it's not very uh it's kind of counterintuitive to being creative in a lot of ways for sure um, yeah yeah definitely so it was great I, the actors loved it it was like it really it, it was all about the actors for me you know and the performances yeah the idea that this kind of started as almost like a pseudo horror story as well like you know that piqued our interest too because we're you know we're big horror fans obviously uh yeah can you talk a little bit about you know in particular this story um how kind of the genesis of it you know evolved into what it became because that's that's quite different from the story that that is on screen yeah yeah i mean that's the thing like i was saying about adam goodman just being a, a an amazingly creative kind of 
producer like a lot of mm-hmm. producers just aren't creative he really is and so the, the first thing he said was i want to make the movie but i want to make it about covid you know like right. covid be the bad guy in the movie essentially you know the monster get rid you know let's let's not fuck around let's instead of having monsters on the street let's let's you know make it about this collective experience that we're all going through like i think right. he just thought that it was the only time in any of our lifetimes really where literally every single person on the planet was going through the exact same mm-hmm. series of emotions at the mm-hmm. exact same time yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, and you know i've got to be, be honest I, you know, I was nervous about it because it seemed risky <laughs> sure <laughs> frankly and it, and it turned out to be like hugely controversial which is really you know I'm, i've made a lot of i've made several controversial movies or a few like (laughs) controversial movies i would say where i've tried you know i've set out with the goal of trying to make a controversial movie yeah um and basically failed every time (laughs) really and then i and then the one movie i make that was uh was you know i wasn't trying to make anything controversial i was trying to make a commercial movie ended up being wildly controversial yeah that's how it goes i feel like and i wasn't (laughs) you know i wasn't i was sort of maybe i'm a bit naive i probably am Uh, but but the world changed so much last year like from when we started in march when we started writing until where we ended up when the movie came out at the beginning of december like the entire world had changed particularly america like the the way that you know It became like a political thing. It was crazy, mm-hmm. you know. It was crazy for me because I'm a director. I'm not a fucking politician. That's the last yeah. job in the world I would want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, like, being asked when we were doing like the the junket thing, like the virtual junket or whatever you call it, like, suddenly I felt like I, you know, all I was asked was questions about that, as if I'm some expert on anything, which, right. which I'm not. You know, I just, you know, came up with an idea and went and made it. Yeah. So it was uh, it was really weird. Like it's all died down now. But it was just strange. Like the film was like incredibly well received in Europe and terribly received over here. Oh, and it was just it was just it was literally because of the politics of it. And people were you know I'm I, people are so uh, quick to get worked up these days. Like yeah, that's which I so, completely understand. Yeah, that's so fascinating because to me, what stuck out more than the politics, like I loved all the real life in your face stuff, but mm-hmm. there, you know, there was that love story aspect, which I thought, like, did you intentionally do that to kind of balance things out or? Yeah, you know, definitely, you know, I mean, the movie was, was conceived from a, a really kind of optimistic, um, place where back at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we'd be all stuck in our houses and, while we were writing the outline for the for what became Songbird, and I'd be looking out my window and we'd see all these Amazon delivery drivers, and this is like <laughs> so far before any vaccine or anything, and these guys are basically out risking their lives to you know help us, um, and to yeah. me that was that was just like a real blue collar mm-hmm. hero, you know, it's like truly mm-hmm. heroic. I thought, and I just thought simon and i just came up with this idea for the character that kj apper plays and nico just being like this bike courier you know who's out basically keeping people alive and uh yeah and and, yeah. and the love story just seemed we didn't think anyone wanted to see a dark movie you know right. and so we went out of our way really to make all of all of the interconnecting storylines about the triumph of the human spirit overcoming adversity you know like the desire to have connection um, yeah. at all times even when you when you're stuck and isolated some of that came from practical practical point of view like we knew that we probably would only have a limited time with each actor because of the because of the lockdown and the pandemic so mm-hmm. we decided to have a story with lots of intercutting uh narratives different narratives and characters that then would kind of connect kind of like pulp fiction or something in a way sure you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and originally yeah. the original script and what I actually filmed was a lot denser and had a lot more going on. Yeah, and I, I mean, I also felt like, you know, so you've got this, this love story, but I also feel like it's just a fun movie, too. Like, there's there's a lot of kind of larger-than-life stuff happening. So it's I, I think it's really fascinating that, that I think you're totally right that, like, any time in the U.S. anyone says anything about COVID or the pandemic... <laughs> It's almost a political statement, even mm -hmm. if you're just stating facts, because not to get too political even on this show, but it's like people can't even agree what a fact is anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you're just like, well, I'm just like I'm taking a premise and I'm doing a narrative with it. And it's like just the nature of that is like people just want to take that and spin it and be like, oh, this movie has a message or whatever, you know? I know. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was insane. I mean, the mask thing wasn't even a a thought when we started writing the script but by the time we finished it was just a hugely divisive thing yeah. you know like when the trailer came out like alex jones was making videos about so, about oh, songbird you know and it's like holy fuck yeah and uh, at, that, at that point i was just like what have we done you know <laughs> <laughs> right. um but it, yeah it was it was crazy and, and we couldn't keep up with how dystopian the world became like when we were writing the script yeah we were talking about whether or not we should have a curfew in the movie and we were like nah no one would believe that <laughs> you know it's 2020 wow and then literally as we were writing it there were helicopters flying over my house announcing the 5 p.m curfew <laughs> it's like wow oh man you know? oh, wow and that, that yeah. was that was before shit got really dark i already forgot we had a curfew like <laughs> it's, it really does wow. feel like uh, 10 years have gone by in the last year like yeah. it's yeah. just even thinking back to the beginning and that for me like that was one of the fascinating things about my viewing experience of this movie because like I almost had to put myself in back in my shoes at the very start mm -hmm. of it right because that's really where this movie was conceived and so I, I've always been a big fan of sci-fi and, and speculative fiction and speculative storytelling so to me it's fascinating that essentially what you did was took this kernel of a premise which is this pandemic in this this snapshot of early days and just kind of stretch that out over what could this look like in five years or, or whatever right um yeah or a little longer and so it's like to me, this movie is a is a really interesting microcosm of what is what is speculative storytelling. Like, how do you take a snapshot of of a moment? Because this is kind of what you'd see in like nineteen sixties sci fi, where they're like, "What is the year two thousand going to look like?" You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like contemporary sci fi, isn't it? I, yeah. I guess Children of Men was a reference that we. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, watched, I, I watched that a bunch of times, but yeah, yeah I, could, see, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but it was weird that by the time the movie came out, the real world felt more sci-fi than Songbird. Yes. <laughs> you know, right? It just did. Yeah, um, could never have predicted that, really. Um, yeah, interesting. But yeah, it was yeah, it was, it was really like a crazy experience, it, and I, I'm still, it still feels surreal just thinking about it now, because uh, it wasn't like a normal movie. Like normally, you'd make a movie and it, and it comes out, and there's like a you know. A, premiere or whatever yeah but because because like none of that happened so it was just like it just sort of like was released one day and then suddenly the public it was out there in in the world and but even even that was surreal the release right. was surreal and now looking back it just feels like a weird dream yeah so. yeah absolutely I, I, you kind of touched on this a little bit um like but like your background in filmmaking um you kind of mentioned how you have 
almost like guerrilla style right um like like a you know pretty punk rock like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're on yeah. you're on a shoestring budget you're just kind of making it work right so it, yeah. it seems like like I, I don't know if you didn't have this back that background would this movie even exist probably not no i mean it was like f- just from this sort of set of skills that i have yeah as a director it was just very well suited to me i suppose it was it was a way that i i really like making movies like that even when it's not a pandemic <laughs> you know what i mean like right. if i could make every movie like that i would um i just i just really enjoy it it's very it's very intimate and small and um and uh yeah. I, I just i hate wasting things you know whereas with, <laughs> with there's a lot of waste involved in in making movies normally um, well, that's like one of the impressive things is it just doesn't feel that way like this movie I, I you know i wouldn't have guessed that it was like shoestring budget you're doing it on the fly it feels like you know yeah yeah <laughs> it just doesn't feel that way which is i think is the magic trick of what you're doing yeah well the, you know the coolest thing for me was that I've been doing that shit for years. Um, right, right. And normally it's me like DPing my own stuff with my own camera rigs that I build, and it's it, you know it's it's very lo-fi my approach. But with this, because Michael Bay came on board, like I suddenly had access to all of Michael Bay's people, <laughs> <laughs> so it was like suddenly giving me the keys to a fucking Rolls Royce, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I had like the like literally one of the greatest DPs in the world. I had literally one of the greatest composers in the world. Like the composers doing Mission Impossible at the moment, you know? Like right. I would, I would never. No one knows That's... who I am, and no one gives a shit who I am. You know what I mean? But suddenly I had these people that I could work with. So it was just like, it was pretty, pretty great. That's awesome. I find this so fascinating, Um, especially when you just mentioned excess. Like, so I'm a poet, so I I don't like excess at all either. I'm like, no, yeah, stop. So I guess I'm kind of interested because you you've also done music videos and this was also a very unique experience. But is there like a similar kind of like format you have to follow, I guess, is what I'm saying, because they're both they're so extreme. Like if I try to write a novel, that's going to be a terrible thing. But yeah, so So like going from like music video to a feature length. Yeah, I'm still I'm still writing this punk wave because I imagine Adam like (laughs) flicking off helicopters, telling him about curfew. So (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of my my thought right now. Yeah. Um, you know, they're quite similar. They're weirdly similar. You're asking, like, this, how different music videos are from movies? That's part of my question. But then just, like, the different constraints in general, because even though you're very constricted a lot in this movie, you're talking about, you know, you have Michael Bay and mm. all this stuff you, I, I don't know, maybe wouldn't normally have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how, I guess, like, is there some kind of formulaic way you go about your approach to directing or you know are you really are just kind of like fly by the you know seat of your pants just rolling with it yeah pretty much i mean you know (laughs) i was reading a book the other day about uh creativity and art and stuff you know and i i think a lot of people think that being artistic is like a god given talent or you're born with it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Whereas whereas i personally i think there's very few people who are like Jimi Hendrix. Do you know what I mean? But like True. anyone, anyone can play the guitar if they just sit. Like I play the guitar. And when I was a teenager, I would sit and I would play the guitar for eight hours a day or 10 hours a day, you know, and that's how you get to be any good at playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think you're necessarily born with that. And it's the same with directing or writing. You know, the reason that most people don't write 
um, if they're interested in writing, because there's a lot of frustrated writers out there, you know, who want, would like to write, but don't. And yeah. I think that it's not because they don't have any talent. It's because they don't have the, um, well, it's because they're afraid of it, you know? They're afraid of failure and because they think that they don't, they're not talented enough. Right. Whereas the reality is that all you really need to do to um, achieve anything is just commit to it, right? So right. that when it, so this is a long-winded version of saying it. When it comes to <laughs> when it comes to directing, like I've just you know I've been doing it for twenty odd years now, so I have learned the hard way um, what not to do. And I, you know, I still make a lot of mistakes, and some of the things I do, they're just terrible. And like, I still, I still fuck things up all the time, you know. And mm -hmm. luckily, the things I fuck up, most people don't ever see, you know. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, yeah. but you kind of you learn all of these skills, like the same with art or writing or or whatever it might be. And when it comes to something like Songbird, you just you um, put all of those things into practice, and it's a lot of different skills. A lot of it's like psychology. There's the psychology of dealing with people that I find, you know, I'm really interested in that kind of stuff. Like I really, I find people really interesting. So yeah. when it, but that's really useful when you're like dealing with actors because dealing with actors or directing actors is all really about psychology. Because once you find out what makes someone tick, um, it's really just about how you, how do you communicate what you want to someone? Um, right. and, it, and, and that works for all aspects of filmmaking. Like when I'm t dealing with crew, like you have to learn to delegate. And, you know, as someone who comes from this kind of punk school of filmmaking and I do everything, <laughs> try and do everything myself a lot of the time, like delegating is something I probably struggle with. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it's something that I've had to kind of uh, embrace in the last five years, I would say, as the things I've done have become bigger. Um, right. That was the most it, beautiful TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But it's, it's true, though. You know, like anyone can do anything. Really, yeah. like, but you got to, as long as you just got to be interested in it because because of the commitment it takes, you you're gonna have to put your hours in. Like when you're playing guitar, you like your fingers are gonna bleed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you be, so you got to want to do it enough to accept the fact that your hand really hurts, right? Right. Right. Um. But 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 yeah. So when it comes to these things, like you you just got to lose the fear. And reading this book, I was reading. I can't remember what it was called, unfortunately. But um, it was just really interesting because it was all about that kind of stuff and just like. You know, you've got to work through the the uh, the self the self doubt all the time, constantly. Yeah, yeah, um, that's definitely something because we're both writers. Like Carrie mentioned, she's a poet. I write fiction. Um, yeah, and so that's that's something that I'm certainly intimately familiar with myself. Oh where yeah, it's just definitely. <laughs> every time you sit down at the at the computer at the laptop and you're like, all right, I'm going to work on a new story, and it's just like. It, it it comes and goes. So I don't know how it is for you, but like, I'm, you know, there's those moments where you're like into it. And then there's those days where you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? I know, like, right. Is this going to work? Like what? <laughs> well, you see that, you know, that's the fear of the blank page, which is yeah. immense. And I think everyone, I bet, you know, Stephen King, maybe not. <laughs> Cause that guy <laughs> is just a, a monster. But, right. uh, but uh, you know, most people I think really do feel that. And, then, and yeah. then you write it, you almost have to like turn your brain off. You know what I mean? Like it's like your brain's, telling you you can't do this you're useless you're gonna fail no one's gonna yeah. be interested but then you turn it off you force yourself to do it and you write something and then when you read it back it's like oh that's that's good like yeah. it's very mm -hmm. you know it's not i don't think it's arrogant to say that whenever i write something and i read it back i'm like pleasantly surprised you know yeah. it's not it's not absolutely <laughs> terrible like i thought it was going to be so um but it's the same with directing you know it's not like i mean i have a confidence now because i'm un unafraid of 
failing if that makes sense yeah right but that's you know that's something that i had to fake for years you know right and i think i think everyone does that and when, it's always the same like whether it's uh songbird or i'm just fucking with you or the things i was doing 15 plus years ago mm-hmm. like deep down i'm terrified you know yeah. terrified you know there's a lot of uh people's expectations resting on my shoulders and um I say fuck them. Just, just do you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. It's, great, it's great to hear you say that too, though, is I'm like, okay, so you're a human, you know, people who are out there, you know, making these big movies and everything. Like, it's not just, you know, that, that imposter syndrome, like that is real for everybody. There's maybe there's no escaping it you know, unless you're like, I guess an arrogant prick, you know, there, there's those people too, but yeah, yeah. I think the other big lie about directing is that, um, you know, a lot of people take the, a film by a film by Adam Mason. It's just yeah. like, you know, fuck off. It's like a hundred <laughs> people worked on this film. It's not by me right. by any means. Like, you know, when I'm the one man band and I do the music videos, like some of the things I do, they are by me because I did literally everything on it. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I like that feeling of knowing that I did everything, but, generally it's it's a huge collaboration and if i can't collaborate successfully with people then i'm going to fail right so you know that's that's the real thing that i've learned in the last few years particularly is that you know i need to enjoy the process and i need to be collaborative and yeah. and a lot of that's just filtering the good ideas from the bad ideas because people all have great ideas you know and if you learn how to not be intimidated by them and to take them on board and to take the ones you like and discard the ones you don't. That's a, you know, that's a smart way forward, I think. Yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned that too. Cause I, I was, so I was going to ask, you know, obviously you've, you've written some scripts that uh, others have directed. And, yeah. and so I'm wondering too, like, how is it, you know, cause I don't, you know, I, have experience writing scripts for like school or myself or something. I've never done anything with them. And there's part of me that would be terrified to actually hand that off to somebody and say, okay, it's yours now. So like, is there, is that something you get used to? Is there, is there a, is it painful at all to kind of like take something that's, that's a script, a story of yours and you give it to someone else and you kind of just watch it change and, and they take ownership of it in that way? Yeah. You know, it's, it's not pleasant. Yeah. Um, you know, money helps. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, it's not my favorite thing. You know, I just, you know, I don't do it. I don't write stuff. I mean, Simon and I, Simon's like a real writer. I'm not really a, a writer. I'm someone, I like, I write things because I want to make them. Right. If that makes sense. And I kind of, yeah. I was kind of taken, I was taken by surprise when I became a writer. You know, if you look at my credits, I'm like, a, technically I am a writer, but I don't identify yeah. myself as being a writer. So I do find it hard when someone else makes something that we've written because when we're writing it, I, you know, I see it like a movie in my head and that's how I would make it or I yeah. try, you know, when I, like with, whenever I'm directing something like the script is the Bible for me yeah. and I'm always just trying to make the movie as good as the script. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, you know, I love the stuff that Simon and I write and, and normally there's a, a million compromises that come along any day on a movie and you, and you end up compromising the script and everything on some things it just gets compromised away to nothing and you're just left it's like why did we bother making that <laughs> it's right. nothing like the script and that's you know that's happened several times to me uh but with you know something like songbird or things that i like that i've made like i'm always just trying to make the script a version of the script and so when someone else comes on board for me i just know that they're not seeing it quite how i 
yeah see it because everyone's different um mm-hmm. and, you know we've had some experiences that are good and some that are bad you know sometimes yeah. people take the script and they just completely change it like rewrite everything and then it's still your name on it most of the time at the end of it and that's just <laughs> that's really weird yeah i can imagine yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean we, like... we, wrote, we wrote this one movie that got made and uh and then we got loads of criticism for it and it's like like <laughs> i completely changed everything we we wrote <laughs> So yeah. Like, yeah, and then you get blamed. Yeah, well, yeah. And then you I'm get sure blamed. That, yeah, it's like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I'm just, sure that happens like way more than anybody realizes. I think, too. I think so. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I realized about directing as I get older is, you know, even even though it is this collaboration, big, huge collaboration, like ultimately the one person who always gets the praise or the blame is going to mm-hmm. be me. So right. I better make sure, you know, it, and that really hurts when when you get criticized because. Yep. I don't know. It's just all, it's all aimed in my direction. So sometimes unfairly. I like hearing this, this like, like honest, you know, I feel like (laughs) it's, it's something all artists kind of feel and yeah, this is cool. Yeah. There's a lot of bullshit that goes with the industry, you know, like, I mean, I I spend a lot of time thinking about like reservoir dogs and things. Just thinking, (laughs) how how did a 25 year old or whatever he was make that movie? Mm -hmm. You know, how, how was he so perfectly formed as a director at that age? And some, and some people just are, you know, like so they, those people are like the Jimi Hendrixes, I guess, you right, know, right. Yeah. and I, yeah. you know, I just, I'm not Jimi Hendrix, you know, but I, that doesn't mean I don't think I'm good. Right. But yeah. do you, do you want to be Kurt Cobain? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't end well for these guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. All the people I know who are phenomenally talented are deeply miserable. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that's, I, you know, so, that's so <laughs> depressing, but yeah, I know it, exactly what you mean. Same, well, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that's where the brilliance and genius comes from being tortured i think in a lot of ways you know (laughs) right so so uh getting a little bit back to songbird like one of the things that that comes up and 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 this ties into the whole idea of collaboration and in a lot of ways the the punk ethos that you're working with and kind of maybe some clashing there because like so there's this um there's this documentary or a making of um and i'm not sure if people can access that yet i I looked for it to see if that's out but yeah it is it's on the blu-ray actually oh awesome okay perfect so so yeah i would highly recommend people watch that it's really fascinating and one of the things that is discussed is I think it's a technology called Frame IO. I think maybe I said that right. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. But it's like the way you, you kind of discuss it in the documentary is like you're almost live streaming your movie for like the producers or anyone else who's involved <clears throat> who wants to see it. And it feels like, man, like that would also make me nervous just having, if, you know, somebody almost like watching over your shoulder as you're as you're going through the dailies and stuff. Right. I mean, it's a damn sight better than having a producer actually standing over your shoulder. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Which is what normally happens, because at least you can pretend your phone ran out of battery or something, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, that's n- normally what happens on a film shoot, is you have a team of people sitting drinking lattes behind a screen, a bank, a bank of screens. Yeah. And, you know, you know, their whole job is to just make my life miserable, it feels like, because it's, yeah. just, it's just endless comments. Um, so, yeah, no, no, the frame thing was great. It allowed um, us to do stuff in isolation that we couldn't otherwise have done. Right. Um, sorry, do you think it's... No, I was going to ask, do you think that's kind of like where... I guess being a producer is moving towards like they don't have to be on set anymore. They can just. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think uh, it's going to change everything. You know, it's, yeah. it's really it's really great. You know, for me, 
I like, you know, like Adam Goodman, the producer I was telling you about from the Paramount guy, like he's so creative. Like they're, they're, those kind of guys, they're great having around. And then other producers you have that are just a pain in the ass. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you would like recommend them to just use the frame? <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe. So, so like, don't come to set. Listen, I know this thing is called frame, and we're gonna use it. It's gonna be great for you. You stay home. You don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, it depends on on schedules and stuff. Like, if you have more money and more days to film, then that's fine because you can get into these big long debates about how things are gonna be executed on set. But yeah. when you're doing these smaller budget things and you're trying to make a movie in like 15 days or 16 days or something, yeah. like you just don't you don't have time to fuck around. Yeah, you just don't. And and the, the pressure in those circumstances is so intense because you can't on those schedules you can't you can't screw up one scene. Like if you mess up once, the movie's gonna suck. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm you know, unfortunately I'm very used to that kind of pressure, but it's yeah. not a pre- it's not a pressure that I like. But stuff, you know, the tools like Frame.io, they, they help alleviate that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think. It was great. Yeah, I loved it. I really loved it. And the camera stuff's insane. Like, the cameras are just uploading to the cloud as oh, wow. we're filming. Wow. And so, you know, my wife was at home with our kids, and she could watch what I was filming as I was filming it. Oh, wow. Nice. It, it's yeah. amazing. That's so That's cool. That's cool. And it's great, yeah. you know. I, I drive home from set, and I, on my phone, I log in and I can watch what I shot while I'm driving. You know, oh, I shouldn't be driving, cool. watching, obviously. But like, <laughs> right. It's LA traffic, right? Yeah, you're yeah. You're, you're just so, listening I'm listening. It. I'm listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's pretty cool, isn't it? You know. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Interesting. It's really cool. Yeah, I love technology. I do love technology. So you mentioned, I mean, obviously there's some very big name actors in this movie i almost said actresses as well i don't know well, yeah both yeah. yeah um and we were all going crazy i'm assuming they were also going crazy being stuck at home as well yeah. was, were people apprehensive to be on set with all the protocols or were they just you know raging and ready to go and you know rock and roll and do their part <laughs> yeah you know the thing that struck me when we because when we started putting it together, I, I really had no idea how we were going to do it. You know, it's one of those things where, like I was saying, like I had to pretend that I knew what I was doing, but I really didn't. Mm-hmm. And that was quite hard as a director because, like, technically I didn't know how I was going to be able to film people because there was yeah. a lot of talk of where we wouldn't, we thought we weren't going to be able to have two actors in the same room at the same time. Right. So you, you can you can imagine how hard that would be filming yeah. any kind of. We were talking about split screens, blah blah blah. We also right. thought that we weren't going to be able to have um, a camera operator in in actually physically in a room. That, yeah. And right. so originally we were talking about paranormal activity, you know, found footage type yep. stuff, which I didn't really want to do. But and then it was going to be like uh, you know people's cell phones, CCTV, drones, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. And there's still there's still a, a little bit of that in the movie. Um, but it very much evolved as we were going along, and then suddenly we ended up with this one of uh, Michael Michael Bay's DPs, this guy Jacques Dufresne, this genius Frenchman, um, <laughs> and he was just like, "No, we are shooting with a fucking camera," and, like that, and that was that, which I just loved about him. And, it, and he uh, he went and got this camera from this company called Red, who make these mm-hmm. cinema cameras, and uh, we ended up with this amazing little camera that was just insane. You know, amazing quality, like David, you know David Fincher and Bay mm-hmm. and all these guys are using it now. Yeah, uh, nice. but we were, we were the first movie to use it, and that that camera would just upload to the to the cloud. It had a little Wi-Fi transmitter on it. Wow, and, yeah. you know, it's incredible. 
I definitely yeah. remember him because I thought he was awesome in the yeah. documentary. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, he, he's amazing. And the guy from Red. Just so, so basically, yeah, to answer your question, that all these people just came on board. And it went, whether it's, you know, Demi Moore or, or Michael Bay, like, you know, I think Michael Bay came on board because no, no one on this planet loves making movies more than him. Like, he right. just lives. He literally lives for cinema. I've never seen anything like it in anyone. Yeah. And I think he was like, who's this British idiot who's saying he's going to make a movie, <laughs> you know? It's like, I got to see this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was enough to get him intrigued. And because the whole, the whole film industry shut down on that day in March. Like, no one was doing anything. We were the yeah. only gig in town and so actors at the very least had heard rumor that these crazy fuckers were going to make a movie <laughs> and it just got people on the phone to me so i was you know i was able to that once i could talk to someone then either they were into it or they weren't like fair enough and you know a lot of people just were didn't feel safe or had fam kids and stuff and like didn't want to do it yeah um but it was like kind of amazing how it, most people did yeah yeah just like everyone seems so passionate you know and i guess it goes back to what we we're talking about where it's like if you're not passionate about this kind of thing you're not going to be involved so like you've yeah. got you've got the best people working on yeah. this thing it was really mm -hmm. nice and like that that feeling really translated to the set where you could just sense that everyone was there because they wanted to be yeah and sadly that's just not the case on most movies these days oh that's you know? sad sure yeah. yeah well just you know people are doing it for whatever the money you know like yeah. right. whatever it might be and very few people i'm very used to as a director like years ago i had to force myself to understand that nobody gives a shit about my movie except me <laughs> right. know, nobody right yeah maybe a couple of people but still not in the same way and it's a big mistake from you know for me because all you end up being is disappointed the whole time right but with Songbird, it really, I, everyone, really, I, I felt like everyone cared. Yeah. And it, and it took me back to being like at film school when I was 19 years old or whatever. I haven't yeah. really felt that feeling since then. Um, right. That's that, awesome. So that, that was awesome, yeah. yeah. I feel like you can definitely tell, because that's like the best writing advice I ever had, was if you're having fun, then the audience is going to have fun. Right. So you could feel that like passion as you were watching yeah. yeah from all the actors and yeah 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 it definitely had a real energy to it um, mm -hmm. that was pretty unique and really really awesome yeah well we uh, we definitely can't let you go until we we really talk a little bit more about uh about i'm just fucking with you so yeah kind of similar question for songbird you know like for i'm just fucking with you like how did that story end up in your lap God, it's, it's a while back now, to be honest Yeah, with you. No, like, I, feel, I feel a little bad. I'm like, uh, you know. <laughs> He's like four projects yeah, past I know, that. I know, I know, it's got to be hard. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's more that um, I'm trying to think of how to, no one's really asked me about it before. Yeah. I, you know, I my, my career's been very up and down in a lot of ways. Like, I had opportunities when I was younger, and I completely fucked them all up <laughs> mm -hmm. because of the punk you know talking about the punk rock thing like i really <laughs> i really believed that i was that person yeah and so so my you know the people who influenced me were more in, mu in music than in film i suppose and i just mm. had this very sort of anti-authority stance uh-huh that was when 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 i finally had the opportunity um the kind of hollywood thing i guess when i was just i just turned 30 or was just over 30 i um i just had this attitude and i think it made me really difficult to work with and it and it kind of like killed my career mm -hmm. and and um you know i kept going i i've been in la for almost 15 years now and, and when i moved over here there were certain things that i should have done that i had the opportunity to do and i didn't do them because i 
I think I just had a, <laughs> I think I thought I was more important than everyone else, you know, or right. more talented. And I was just completely delusional. Um, I think and, we and, all go through that as yeah, artists, like definitely, sure. it's like a, definitely a young artist kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I was, t I was tortured, and I, you know, I'm British, so we all just drink, <laughs> drink, right, drink right. excessively in a way that's probably not very culturally acceptable in in uh, LA of all places. And um, uh, you know, and, and then I kept going, and I kept trying to do my own thing, and 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 over the over time, I, that's when I became like the one man band thing because I just mm -hmm. became so frustrated with. Uh, being told no and um kind of barriers coming up that i just kept going um uh regardless of money or anything i would just be constantly be making stuff and, yes. and i and i made a lot a lot of stuff over that period um and all of it kind of like you know i was happy with the movies that i made but all all of them had terrible um terribly sad stories when it came to distribution like right getting ripped off and you know these things that you kind of learn over over the years and so the last you know the last thing i'd done before i'm just fucking with you is a movie called hangman that i did in mm -hmm. 2015 i think it was and mm -hmm. you know it got into south by southwest which was a big deal it was a, a little movie we made it for like 30 grand oh, right wow had a really good cast it was a really good script it was like really commercial Mm -hmm. and it just got completely shafted Ugh. and and at that point i was just like what am i doing you know i uh, i have three kids now back then i had two and i was just like i felt like a student you know i was like 40 right. i just turned 40 um and it's kind of like what the fuck am i doing like i'm just fucking around um mm -hmm. <laughs> and i didn't really know what to do and i had luckily simon who is like the brains of our duo had kind of kept us afloat with our writing which like i said earlier it was, wasn't something I, I never anticipated it happening because i don't really see myself as being a writer mm -hmm. but thanks to you know his talent and his hard work like he kind of took us into that studio writing thing which um was just such a godsend for me because for 10 years like i basically made all of my living from that right which was also great kind of you know i i ended up enjoying it more than i ever thought i would but i always felt like a bit of an imposter sure and, and still do in a certain way i suppose um it never goes was, away <laughs> right yeah yeah exactly uh, but so by the time that happened like we weirdly had a career or not weird for him because simon's phenomenally talented but it was weird for me and um but we kind of had a name for ourselves as writers mm-hmm and people knew I was a director, but I was kind of like quite edgy and I kept doing music videos that also kept me going. But so people knew I was a director and had done some horror movies, but then like Blumhouse, for example, they mm -hmm. kind of, I think they just were intrigued by me yeah, and what I'd done. And suddenly this opportunity came up where, you know, like the streaming thing has changed the whole film industry. Now there's opportunities that just simply didn't exist, certainly didn't exist 10 years ago. Because mm -hmm. when DVD basically died you know mm -hmm. Ind independent cinema died with it yeah right yeah and um just in the last few years you i've really felt the same with music videos actually like music videos no one made a music video for like almost 10 years really right but it's yeah. come back hugely mm -hmm. now yeah thanks to youtube and then the same with movies thanks to netflix and amazon prime and yeah hulu like all of these streaming services and so blumhouse uh had the had these um sold these concepts for doing multiple movies and that's where into the dark was born yeah and so you know suddenly they had to fill 12 movies in a year just for one platform 
and so that just gave huge opportunity for people like me who were you know capable and experienced but just had never really been given the opportunity or budget Mm-hmm. And so I'm just fucking with you, just like literally. Like, you ask me how it came about, and I'm trying to think how did it come about. <laughs> and I think I think uh, there's this amazing guy at Blumhouse called Cooper Samuelson, who's like Jason's right hand man, Jason mm-hmm. Blum's right hand man. And I've known Cooper for 15 years now. I knew him when he was at Paramount. He used to work with Adam Goodman, who did Songbird. It's like a really small world. Oh yeah, sure. And uh, I think you know Cooper's always been very very good to me and Simon. Um, and he said you should he just he just emailed me one day and said come in and meet um this girl who works works in Blumhouse TV which had just been set up as like a you know an arm of Blumhouse that started off doing movies but then they wanted to get into the TV world mm-hmm. and so I went in for just a general meeting you know you do these things all the time you just go to a meeting you never think anything is going to come of it <laughs> like right. literally you just sit around and it's like oh god okay you drink a bottle of water and have a chat about movies basically that's what sure. always happens but this this meeting i remember now it was different because she said like this is a weird question but if i give you a script and you read it can you let us know by tonight if you want to do it and i was like what are you talking about and wow. she goes yeah and then she goes it's called i'm just fucking with you i'm just like are you just fucking with me <laughs> like, like, you know what i mean you, yeah. you say this thing to me that no one has ever said to me and then you tell me it's called i'm just fucking with you which is, uh, but it was you know which is obviously the greatest title in, in cinema history yes. yeah uh, and, and i went home and then i was just like i'm gonna read you know they're kind of like they were kind of offering it to me in a way like these things never happened to me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm going to read it and it's just going to be terrible. And then I read it and I like, I got, I remember getting like, you know, you read 10 pages, like this is great. And then I read 30 mm-hmm. pages and I was into it. And then, you know, it's a really, it was a really great script yeah. and it wasn't, a, it wasn't at all what I was thinking it would be. Like I love comedy and especially dark comedies. So, mm-hmm. and then it just, it just happened. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, I, we, we started, and it it just took off from there, and it was just a, that was a that was another one of those things where it was just a great experience. I loved yeah. it. I felt like they let me do whatever I wanted. That's um, so awesome. And, <laughs> yeah, which is weird because I did two for them, and on the second one they didn't let me do whatever I wanted. Oh, really? And I can't yeah. I can't tell you why. Like I did them back to back. I did one, and then I did the other. I'm yeah. just fucking with you. Like that movie is is insane. Yeah, <laughs> right? it is. That's what I like about it. Yeah, like, it, same. It's so surprising. Like it's just not it's not what you expect it to be at all. As you said, like I, you know, you're reading it was probably the same as most people watching it. You're like, what is this thing? Holy shit! You know. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just so much fun. I loved yeah. making it. And then, you know, the actors were so good. Keir and Hayes, the two main dudes. Just, yeah. I remember when Hayes, the, uh, what's he called? Chester. Yeah. The guy, the guy <laughs> who played Chester. We were having these auditions and uh, seeing, you know, you see a bunch of people, like, I can't remember. So you, so you see like 30 people and they're just they're, they're obviously just actors and they come in and they read the bit and you have a chat with them. And this guy walked in and he was dressed, in, he was wearing what Chester's wearing oh, with shit. the glasses awesome. and everything. And I thought, <laughs> I thought he was completely crazy. I thought like I was scared of him. Like I thought he could attack me in the room. <laughs> And uh, like after we cast him, I was like, what, what are you doing? And he said, it's just how he does auditions. He goes in fully in character, that guy. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. method acting. Even, yeah. yeah. That's so perfect for the role. Yeah. Too. Too, yeah. It's, yeah. It's yeah. great. He's, he's, so, he's so good. The two of those guys, fuck, they're just such good actors. Oh, but he yeah. just made me laugh the whole time because he just is, he kind of is that that guy in real life. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, I love it. That's so yeah. perfect. I mean, literally, like that was going to be one of our questions. Was like, 
you know, were you involved in the casting decisions here? Because they do play off of each other so well. And they just like really inhabit these these characters both of them you know yeah yeah no uh i mean keir is uh he's a very close fr friend of mine he's uh he's married to a really old friend of mine mm -hmm. uh who's one of the greatest um dps she's a f uh, fantastically talented female dp she just shot a quiet place too actually oh wow and, and yeah anyway i've known her forever she did one yeah. she uh, did this movie I did called Junkie years ago. Anyway, right, so right. Keir, uh, uh, and when I met Keir, I sort of recognised him, and then I realised that he um, he was from uh, the Wedding Crashers. Are you going to say that? Because <laughs> I had the same thought like five minutes in. I was like, Wedding Crashers. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and that that is one of the greatest pieces of acting that I've ever seen. Yeah. That, that character. Yep. That character is is incredible. You mm -hmm. know. In movie history, I think it's one of my favorite um, pieces, pieces of acting ever. Yeah, absolutely. And so when, as soon as I was reading the script, I was just like, God, Keir, Keir would be perfect for this. And then the casting director, whenever you do a movie, they send you a list that's got like, you know, 50 to 100 names on it of every actor you've ever heard of and many that you've never heard of mm -hmm. kind of thing. And like, uh, and, and then you kind of whittle it down from there and you start auditioning. And some of the people you just have to make offers to basically. And uh and Keir was on on one of the shortlists of those, and I was just like, "Well, it's got to be him," you know. It's, and yeah. uh, and uh, they really wanted to work with him, and that was, so that was pretty straightforward. And then Hay Hayes was um, one of the people who came in and and read for us, and he, like I said, he was he just terrified me, <laughs> and I thought he was absolutely hilarious. He looked like David Koresh, you know. Remember, <laughs> the, the, the way yes, yeah. yes, oh, man. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he was wearing this crazy gold necklace, like I don't even know what yep. it was. Oh, yeah, and it was great. The whole movie was just so fun to make. Like some movies are just miserable. Like lo some things are just loathsome experiences. Yeah, from start to finish, the, I'm just fucking with you. Was just so much fun. Yeah, um, I lo it, absolutely loved it. It also like because there's such a small cast on this too. I can imagine that like just having the right people in the right roles is is got to just be like the entire thing, right? So yeah, I just I imagine so. it's it's like when you get those people in, it's it's got to be like lightning in a bottle kind of yeah. like all right, no, we got true. it, you know? Yeah, that's one thing about directing as well is that if you cast the right people it's really hard to screw the movie up. You know, if you have a good script and good actors, like it is, a director has to work really hard to fuck the movie up. Right. Because really, right. <laughs> really you just point the camera at it and it'll be all right. You know, especially if, you, if you've got a good DP. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just fucking with you and songbird. Like when you cast a movie, right, it's just, it just works, you know? And, uh, yeah. And, and I'm just fucking with you. It's one of those rare occasions where it just all, you know, the stars kind of aligned and it, you know, I understand yeah. the movie's not for everyone cause it's so mean spirited, yeah, but, that, a little bit, a little. <laughs> but that's what I love. And it was also it's... like, you know, it was just around the time when internet troll trolling was becoming a real thing. Like yeah. obviously now it's just kind of yeah, worse than ever, but I love right. the idea of making a movie where the hero is kind of the bad guy. Yeah. You know, like that, that character, what's his name? Larry. Yeah. Yep. Larry yep. is, uh, Larry's yeah. like a total, dick you know yeah. <laughs> he's such a complicated character because like you hate him but then you see him and he's just kind of this little weasel and you still kind of hate him but you start to feel bad for him you know yeah yeah he's kind of he's just a total loser isn't he yeah you know? yeah and just just horrible piece of work <laughs> i always like that I, I like to think of it as like this you know a troll this yeah. internet troll go you know he's driving along and he comes across a real troll you know chester yeah. And that troll just fucks him, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I thought that was inherently such a funny idea. Yeah. So yeah. 
<laughs> but it was you know it was not it was just great it was one of those things like i'm a huge music fan so um and the, uh, the, i don't know what kind of music you guys like but the, uh deftones are one of my favorite bands oh nice yeah mm-hmm. and um the singer of deftones did the music for i'm just fucking with you so that was that was, that was kind gr- of a dream oh. come true for me that was yeah that I was amazing that, music yeah great. yeah that yeah. makes perfect sense yeah, yeah that's what yeah. i was just thinking i was like wait a second <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's seriously like been a hero of mine for 20 plus years and uh that's awesome and i just had this idea like well, i wonder if chino would do the music and because of all the music videos i i do like i know yeah. uh, deftones manager quite well so i just like called him and i was just like you think chino would be interested in doing this blumhouse movie i'm doing and then literally the same day he's like yeah he's into it and i was like holy fuck and then the next day uh chino sent me like 40 pieces of music that he'd done just for the movie wow and i was just like like you know like one of my heroes is sending me i'm the only person in the world is hearing this right now that's great and uh and the whole score that you hear almost all of the score is is put together from those pieces that he sent me that's before before he'd even read you know he hadn't read it really hadn't hadn't seen anything <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> yeah. oh man it was it was mental you would never think it would work and yet it's like probably the favorite one of my favorite scores from anything i've ever done that's crazy that kind of leads me to one of the things that i i wanted to ask you is this movie has a very distinct style you know there's like this bright neon and all this stuff and that matches with the setting and everything and so i was wondering like uh, I don't know if it's a dumb question, but like, w- was that stylization built into the script at all? Like, uh, or, or was that something that kind of like you brought to it, or the the, the maybe was brought in yeah. later once you had the music kind of layered in and started to get a vibe for it? Or I'm um, uh, just curious where that kind of yeah came. Yeah, from. I mean, it was de- it was definitely 100% me, um, but it wasn't it wasn't like for any any genius reason or anything it was more <laughs> it's more that like a lot of times when you're trying to do something on a lower budget you're trying to make it look more expensive than it is right and, and right. so you know i was kind of bringing all of the skills that i'd had as a music video guy to i'm just fucking with you which is you know ways of lighting and stuff that i've been doing for quite a while now using um led lights and stuff like handheld lights Right. That, I, that I put really heavy gels on and it basically just makes anything just ah, look really cool really visually awesome. beautiful like I just love that I've always loved that look yeah. I mean obviously you know Nicholas Reffin and those kind of guys are just yep. the best at doing that kind of thing um, but when, you, when you're doing a low budget movie it just kind of like helps differentiate it from everything else and to me there's just nothing worse than a movie looking cheap yeah like just, you know unless it's purposefully cheap like a Lars von Trier like Dogma movie or something which I'm really into that kind of stuff like I, yeah. but, but something like I'm just fucking with you felt like it had it really needed to be heightened and yeah. it felt like a it felt like a very moral tale to me weirdly even though it's so dark and twisted sure. um, that it felt like it needed to um, feel a bit like a fairy tale for grown ups yeah um, <laughs> and That's then because awesome. the movie was all set over one night I just really wanted to do this ultra neon look for it yeah so it was a combination of like necessity in some ways yeah and 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 just kind of just taking the low budget tricks that i've been messing around with over the years and applying it to that so i knew i knew when i watched it um 
I was like, he he was a punk, or he at least like has <laughs> punk tendencies. Because I was a little punk kid, so I was like, this is speaking to me on a level. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a big music guy, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting wearing a Morrissey t-shirt, you know. I'm nice. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like obsessed with music. Like, I always wanted yeah. to be in in bands, and I, you know, I was in bands when I was younger, but I wasn't. I was always too shy. Oh, to, uh, I feel that. Yeah, yeah. But if I could, I, like, I love music more than it. Like, I like. Music's like my favorite thing, basically. Yeah. yeah. So I try and always take a bit of that into my films. I, I, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like that's one of the things that... I don't know. It's just the whole vibe of, of this movie in particular that... It just right away, I was like, oh, this is fucking great. Just the vibe that you get out of right away from those opening credits. It's like, yeah. all right, this, well, is, thank this you. is awesome. Yeah, yeah. See, that, <laughs> yeah. I remember the, you know, now you mentioned it. Like the t- I love title sequences in yep. movies, and so I always try and do something uh, with it, with, with that part of the filmmaking process and without just fucking with you like i couldn't believe they let me do it you know <laughs> yeah and they yeah. they had all these rules i don't know if i should be saying this or not they, they kind of had all these rules for because uh, it you know because it was a show basically the yeah. into the yeah, dark thing yeah. yep. and, and so they had to kind of have uh rules for each of the episodes um because otherwise someone would come along and try and change it and I, oh, you know, I, I, I came along and tried to check, like I was the first person to do a title sequence, for example. Mm, ah. Interesting. Just like crazy music and all yep. the stuff. It's so just, good. Yeah. It's just yeah. so in your face right away. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. 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 No, and I just wanted to make something that had a huge amount of energy to it. Yeah. And yeah. Was, was kind of weirdly emotional at the same time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it since I... Uh, finish. I, I'm not someone who sits around watching my yeah. own movies. Like, so, <laughs> sure, sure. But I, I talking about it now. Like, I, I'm like, oh, I'd quite like to watch that again. Yeah. So I, just, I remember really enjoying doing it. I, I'd like to recommend your own movie to you. Adam, <laughs> yes. It's great. It's really Thank good. You. Thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't say that about many of them. Today. <laughs> well, so I mean, we have to ask about horror. I I'm still stuck on the music because that hit me like. <laughs> I, music, I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, we are a horror podcast, so we have to ask you a question about horror because you've you know, written and di- directed, you know, some horror projects. So yeah. are you a big horror fan yourself or is it just something you, like, fell into? Yeah. I, you know, I, I definitely was. When I was growing up, all my favorite movies were horror movies. I, I, I always wanted to be a special effects guy when I was a kid. That's, <gasps> that was my first love. So oh, I, nice. uh, I started making short films when I was 15, 16, just cause I wanted to do the makeup stuff. Um, and that was, is why is that what are you into That's that awesome. too? Yeah. I didn't know it was like a career thing until like I was in my almost thirties and now I'm like, shit, I should have just done that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I was, I wasn't good enough at it to, I, I quickly realized that, you know, people were a lot better at it than me. But I, the filmmaking bug kind of stuck with me. So all of the movies I love, you know, when I was, um, I'm, you know, I'm 46 now. So I grew up with movies like Reanimator and uh, nice, oh, awesome. which yeah, I, yeah. from beyond that kind of stuff. But then yeah. I, I was really as I got older, drawn to, you know, when I first saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. kind of the, those movies that just kind of like sucker punch you you know yeah. mm-hmm. i was like oh my god like that movie angel heart jacob's ladder the wicker man <laughs> obviously the original wicker man not yep. the yeah terrible remake um <laughs> the shining you know th- those kind of films for me and then i realized you know like when a, a mainstream director makes a horror movie 
they tend to be my favorite movies of all time. Like when Stanley Kubrick made The Shining, like mm-hmm. The Shining is like the best one of mm-hmm. you know, easily one of the best movies ever made. Or mm-hmm. you know when David Fincher makes Seven, you know like yeah. that's mm-hmm. an insanely good movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or Alan Parker with Angel Heart, or you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, those so that those those were the movies that just kind of grabbed me. Um, n- nowadays, I don't know. Like, I still, it's just it's a weird thing actually. Since since I had kids, you know, then films like Irreversible and stuff. Like, I got into the kind of dark, really dark stuff. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Like, I just love, I love, I love that movie when it came out. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. a hard movie to love, but like, you know, yeah. In terms of like how it made me, it kind of affected me. Like, yeah, I like yeah. I like films that like affect you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so I was, I was really wanting to do that kind of thing for, um, you know, a long time really over here to, to my detriment, I would say as a, in terms of my career. Um, mm. but then as soon as I had kids, like I kind of lost it, lost yeah. my love for it. And it's really weird. Like now I feel, I don't know, like I don't want the world to be dark, you know, I don't, and I don't want it to be scary it's kind of scary enough it's too scary yeah. <laughs> so when i when i watch something now that's really violent but um particularly horror where it's like violence for the sake of it but like nasty violence like i feel really sick we it's, it's yeah. weird to say given the stuff i've made but yeah. yeah so now i don't i don't like actively pursue uh horror movies anymore particularly oh interesting i mean yeah i mean i i feel like that's I hear that often, honestly, because we, I don't know, we, we watch a lot of horror, so we talk about it with a lot of people. And I feel like that's, there's something changes. We don't have kids, but there's something changes in you, you know, obviously when you have kids and it's like, it seems natural to me to hear you say that. And that, yeah. I think that's so sweet. Like, yeah, <laughs> you want the world to be a good place. You're like, I don't want that darkness around me, around my family, you know? Yeah, you, no, it's you, true. Yeah, it's true. You know, like the film, a film like Wolf Creek, you like Wolf Creek? Yeah. Yeah, you know, like that kind of film was the kind of film that I used to really love. Yep. And, and now, and like, I don't think I would watch Wolf Creek now without feeling really sick. Like, yeah, I think it, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I, it would I definitely, yeah, I, I get that. And I, I think that there's, we talk about this from time to time on this show, but I think there's like a mischaracterization of, of people who even like horror where it's like, cause I, you know, obviously I enjoy horror. Right. But I actually don't love that really mean spirited, <laughs> you know, it's just there to like make you upset that what you're watching is, is so fucked up, you know, like yeah, I, yeah. I'm still a sucker for a happy ending. Like there's still that piece of me that's like, Anytime we watch a horror movie and it starts with that happy family, I'm like, I hope they're okay at the end. <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen, but there's still that peace. So it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> I even I saw uh, what's that movie, Promising Young Woman. Did you see that? I haven't seen that one. Yeah, yet. not yet. Right, but I won't give it give it away to you. But the yeah. end of that movie is like really mean spirited. And I was just like, you that's what I've bastards. heard. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's just so nasty. Right. And like, I'm just like, I just watched an hour and a half of this for you to just make me feel like absolute shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, so you know, I still, but I still have very fond memories of those movies that I loved so much growing up. Yeah. And I, it, yeah. I am a fan. When, yeah. when your kids are older, you'll probably come back to it and be like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> maybe, what, you not, know, the, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know what you guys like. Think of the horror community, but I, I you know, I have, it's been a real mixed bag for me as a director. Yeah. That my like, it's so um, 
it's so weird, isn't it? Because like the horror community for me is a bunch of like-minded people who generally have a slightly kind of outside outsider vibe, which I definitely have, and like my you know. Like, yep. But at the same time, like a lot of the worst trolls I've met yes. have been <laughs> in the in that community, yeah. you know. And I think the you know the combination of the internet with the horror community kind of ruined things for me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. really interesting being a female. Yeah, no, like, exactly. Like, yeah, it's yeah. so toxic. Like the the, yeah. the worst shit. I've read aimed yeah. at women in my life has come from the horror community, I would say. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. I mean, I, I definitely think that that's true. I, I also think that it's kind of the case with like any niche, you know, it, it, it almost doesn't matter what it is, but there's just some horrible people. But may, maybe that's not true. I don't know. Maybe there's I, I do think that there's something to the misogyny that that is in certain horror that people may not even be picking up on the subtext that like these things are anti-misogyny but you know what you're seeing is horrible you know that kind of thing so i know yeah I, yeah yeah i definitely think that there's some people who are attracted some to some of this stuff for the wrong reasons yeah no exactly it's really weird isn't it like i think a lot of like horror fans got bullied at school which i did yeah and, and i think people who got bullied and, and suffered abuse go two ways they either become an abuser or they become really fucking decent people you know yes yeah 100 percent. and, and, <laughs> yep. and uh the, yeah so for me like it was just weird it, like a lot of stuff for me like in forums and stuff reviews and things in the horror community for me it's, it made me feel like fuck i feel like i'm getting bullied again right, right. yeah it's like, that's really weird like why <sighs> I thought we were supposed to be a community, you know. Right. So anyway, I don't know how we got on that subject, but yeah, no, that 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 fucking sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Adam. I'm sorry that you had that experience. Yeah. No, no, but I think everyone's had it. You know, yeah. like it's just it's just it's just weird, yeah. isn't it? And then the yeah. same, like some, of the, I made this um, really horrible movie called Pig that I never released. Hmm. Um, it's like, and it always ends up on these lists of like the 50 most shocking movies of all time. Right. I was going to say, I think I know what you're talking about right, because right. of those lists. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I made this film and then never released it. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, I made it, it, the whole movie's like one shot. It's like one 90 minute shot. And mm -hmm. it's basically like, uh, it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but told from the point of view of the bad guy, you know, right. like everything revolves around him. And I made it because I remember making it thinking like, if people really want this kind of stuff, then I'm going to give it to them. Hmm. But I, but I kind of like always saw horror movies as being, I think the reason they were so powerful to me was because I um, always felt in the shoe, in the shoes of the person being attacked. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And so oh, I yeah. wanted to make a movie that just kind of like <laughs> really went to town with that. Of yeah. what, it, what it feels like to be on the receiving end of like violence, emotional and physical violence. Yeah. And then I, ma I made this film and I just realized that people were getting off on the violence, you know, and like the whole purpose of me making it was to do the opposite. And then I was right. just like, why, the, why am I doing this? Right. You know? And that, was, yeah. that for me was a re that, kind, that kind of turned me off horror, sadly. Yeah. yeah. And that's not yeah. to say, like, I know that like far from everyone is like that in the horror yeah. community, yeah. but it, it does, it disturbs me that I could make something that kind of excited someone. Yeah. No, there, it, you definitely see that from time to time. And, and there is, I'll be honest, I have the same type of hesitancy. I mean, I, I as I said, I'm a, I'm a fiction writer as well. And there's, there's stuff where, it, yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm coming up with a concept or whatever. And you're thinking that, like, is someone going to, you know, what's, what's the takeaway someone's going to get from this? Because I know what I'm trying to do, but once it's out there in the world, you can't control the narrative anymore, you know? Yeah. It's and that's weird, a little scary. It? Yeah. I was also it's thinking weird. about that with like music, like 
you know, going to punk shows, there'd be like neo Nazis there. Oh yeah, and yeah, uh, like yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. funny you mentioned that because I watched them um, Green Room again the other day. Oh, oh yeah. good movie! I mean, such a good movie. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. Such a good. I think that's like one of my favorite movies of the last twenty years. I think yeah. It's just good. amazing. Yeah. But yeah, no, they, there you go. You know, like they, that's how I feel about the horror community, where you have you know these great people, like some of my favorite people in this world, some of my closest friends. Yeah. Are uh, obviously part of the horror community, and then there's just this kind of dark undercurrent to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah unfortunate yeah i mean we gotta we gotta find a way to get those that dark undercurrent out you know I, it's like there's you know it doesn't have to be a shitty community you know we i can, know we yeah. can learn to police ourselves or something a little well, better it's just not, it, should, <laughs> it should just encourage people more i think yeah yeah well um man so we we went a little bit over adam so we're gonna be respectful no to your time and uh and uh so you know coming kind of to the end of our time limit here obviously you're a busy guy we want to let you go but uh i know you're you're the type of person who's just always working you're you're always picking up the next thing so um what do you got going on right now that you want to tell our listeners about i mean the thing i'm doing at the moment i can't really talk about but it's like a much bigger movie okay it's hopefully filming in August. It's like a big action thing, which I'm oh, really excited awesome. about. Which is that cool. Yeah, like it's, yeah, you know, it's the kind of thing I've always wanted the opportunity to do. So, very cool. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yes, yeah. hopefully that comes off. I'll know in the next few weeks. Um, and then awesome. I, you know, I'm still doing music music videos. I just did a couple of videos for this band AFI that I really love. Um, and what else am I doing? I've, I've been doing a podcast, um, like a fictional drama about cult. The, uh, for, for this band called Corn, um, mm-hmm. that I'm just fi- I've been finishing that up this week, and That's then awesome. S- Simon and I are writing some things. Yeah, we've got this really cool car chase movie that we're doing at the moment. That oh, I, sweet! That's what I'd like to make. Nice. Next year, hopefully. Nice. Get the chance, and then yeah, yeah we'll see. You know, it's well, been, I mean, it's been the weirdest year in living memory. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of just happy to still be alive. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll definitely be on the lookout, so can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. Yeah, it's so great to talk to you guys. Thanks for all the kind words about I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Well, Adam, thanks again so much for coming on the show. This really has been a blast talking to you. Awesome. Nice one, guys. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, that's about it for this episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already, and why not share this episode with a friend or two and help spread the love. Also, be sure to check out the other podcasts on the Ortis Studios Podcast Network by visiting ortisstudios.com. That's O-R-D-I-S studios.com. Lastly, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for news and announcements, or just to say hello. All right, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.